Welcome to The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. I'm Scott Sattel. Thanks for joining us. About eight months ago, IdeaStream Public Media and WKSU announced plans to create one of, the, one of Northeast Ohio's largest news organizations by combining their news operations with the range of other public radio programs that listeners in our region enjoy and rely on for information. After a lot of work to merge programming schedules, bring staffs together, expand reporting, and make some technological changes, the new organization became a reality at the end of March when a consolidated news and information public radio service began broadcasting over WKSU 89.7 FM. Here to bring us up to date on all that has been happening and where things are going is Kevin Martin, president and CEO of IdeaStream. Kevin, thanks for joining us. Well, hello, Scott, and thanks for having me. Thanks for, for being here. So you and your entire organization have been remaking IdeaStream and, and the public media landscape in this region. Um, can you give us an overview of what's different now at WKSU and explain the IdeaStream public media rebrand and, and how the Ohio newsroom fits into all of this? I know I asked you a lot of questions. There. Yeah, there's a lot packed into that which really does give you an indication of how busy we've been over the past, I would say, four years, maybe even longer, because we put a lot of uh, the bricks in place maybe five years ago. But uh, why don't we start with the WKSU, since that's the thing that we are most focused on right now. Uh, we, we have, as you said, we've brought both newsrooms together, both stations together. Uh, I think when we started our... Um, start talking about this. And I have to give credit to Dr. Todd Daikon, the president of KSU, who really, I think, uh, allowed us to begin exploring the possibilities. Uh, he essentially told me that if we could do the analysis and, and make the case that he would be very open to considering it. And so myself and the general manager, Wendy Turner, we began our work and we did a financial analysis. Now, we knew from the outset that the operational efficiencies would prove to be favorable. But what we really wanted to dig into a lot more deeply was how to expand the service in all respects, and not just news and information, but classical and jazz music offerings as well. And so we took about six months uh, to do that. And we got a couple of grants actually to, to help us um, finance our, our, our consultants that helped us with the, with the engineering reports and also our programming reports and just the financial analysis. And as you can imagine, it really did come back quite favorable, uh, not just for the two entities, but for all Northeast Ohioans. Uh, what, what we knew from the onset was uh, you had two uh, radio stations that were essentially paying for the same programming, about 90% of the same programming uh, that was broadcasting to the same audience, essentially. And we knew that there would be some savings there right off the bat, uh, but also just the, the consolidation of resources in terms of uh, how we uh, communicate to our audience, how we communicate to our members, all that would come in one uh, consolidated package 
And so it really made for a very convincing presentation. And let me just go on to the other, because you, you asked about the, uh, the Ohio Newsroom, which is something that's also uh, we, that we've been talking about and lately, because we're launching, we're actually launching the, the Ohio Newsroom in a big way um, last, this month. And we announced it, I think, two months ago. And it's the consolidation of all the uh, Ohio NPR stations across the state, in every corner of the state, that will combine its resources to bring stories and voices for those that aren't typically heard in perhaps Southeast Ohio or, or Northwest Ohio. Uh, you typically hear things from the what we call the 3C corridor of Cleveland, Columbus, and Cincinnati. But we're most interested in really digging into and, and generating news and getting information to those who are in other parts of Ohio as well. Yeah. And how, how large a, a newsroom operation is that now? How large is it going to be? Well, it'll be close to 75 people uh, in, in all in combined newsrooms uh, from uh, Athens to Columbus to Bowling Green to Toledo to Yellow Springs and uh, Cincinnati. All of those will, will play a part uh, in the news gathering. And we should be announcing, I would imagine, in the next couple of weeks, a new managing editor. Well, this is, this is kind of a, an exciting time for, for nonprofit news. We have a, a couple of uh, nonprofit startups uh, in, in Cleveland. And, and obviously, you know, what is going on at IdeaStream and with the Ohio Newsroom, you're, you're really expanding things. Um, you know, how do you see this fitting in to, uh, you know, sort of filling some voids maybe that have, uh, have popped up in, in the news landscape? Well, we certainly applaud any and every attempt to bring uh, trustworthy news and information to Ohioans everywhere. Because as you mentioned, uh, Ohio has really taken a hit over the past couple of decades. I would even go as far to say that we have been ground zero for the number of print media closures and consolidations We've seen uh, several, you know, alternative small press close like the Vindicator. And so we, we, there needs to be uh, someone and something that steps in to really augment the, um, the, the trusted news and information that, that Northeast Ohioans and Ohioans everywhere expect. And so the, you mentioned the, um, the two new uh, projects that have started, the, the Marshall Project, um, and also the, the Cleveland Foundation is sponsoring uh, one with the American Journalism Project that uh, we think if, if we can partner with them, uh, we can hopefully augment and, and help them you know, with our megaphones because we have a lot of uh, ways to distribute our content and we're hoping that we can work with them so that they can help fulfill their own uh, mission and responsibilities to the public. Uh, what we understand about uh, those two new initiatives is that they're trying to reach an audience that we may not be as successful reaching, meaning, you know, the, the people who rely on, uh, I would say, primarily information, like where's my polling place or where can I find fresh produce? Uh, these are, these are um, communities that we don't focus on necessarily, but we think they're extremely important. And we'd like to help, you know, those who are trying to reach that audience uh, to do so. 
And so uh, we think that's that's an important addition that's going to help. And um, hopefully we can uh, be there when uh, when they need us. You, you'd mentioned a, a, a bit ago uh, classical music and and jazz. Uh, you know, we've been focusing so far on what's happening on the news side of the operation, but but the music side is is important too. So, uh, you know, how how has the how have the changes at IdeaStream uh, sort of enabled you to augment the programming of classical music and, and jazz that you bring to people in Northeast Ohio who love those forms? Well, I'm glad you asked me that because I think with the focus on news and information and. And it's understandable that there would be a lot of focus on news information, given what's happened to the industry over the years. Uh, we really have not forgotten, not, have not forgotten about the, the music, because that's been a part of uh, our services from the very beginning, whether it's jazz on WCPN since their inception, or classical music, which actually had a life before it joined the IdeaStream public media family. Uh, but in, in 2013, we brought them on and, and we've been able to really expand their services uh, to today where uh, they have taken over the 90.3 uh, frequency that used to be our news and information service of WCPN. And so we have, we're reaching now close to a million more listeners uh, than we had before. The, the 104.9 that WCLV used to broadcast from was a very small, very small uh, signal with a very small coverage area with was actually most of its coverage area over Lake Erie. And so uh, we're able to uh, expand it south. And we're hearing a lot from our classical music lovers and our jazz lovers that they appreciate having a stronger signal and that they can, you know, uh, receive their the reception uh, further south. Are, are, are you a are you a classical guy, a jazz guy, both? I am both. I am both. Uh, I, I collect jazz music, and I have for a long time. I love classical music, uh, and I love the fact that we have such a great relationship with with the Cleveland Orchestra. Uh, I think Ohioans, especially Northeast Ohioans, are really lucky to have one of the top orchestras in the world. And we also work a lot with Apollo's Fire which, of course, you may know is a Grammy award-winning international ensemble, Baroque ensemble, and we work very closely with them. And we hope to be working more closely with, with the, the Cleveland Jazz Orchestra as well, because we think these partnerships are really important, and it's, and it's a way for us to really become a catalyst uh, for listeners who love music, classical and jazz. Yeah, well, I mean, those—they play such a powerful role in making Northeast Ohio what it is. You know, it's, it's yes, hard to, absolutely. Hard to imagine the, the region without those things. You, you mentioned it just a minute ago. I wanted to ask—you had written a, a, a personal view uh, column in our, our paper, Crane's Cove in Business, mm. uh, and you said that uh, that radio frequency transmission has always been an imperfect technology for complete coverage, and that because of Northeast Ohio's topography, the WKSU signal does not provide as strong of a signal for everyone as we would like to reach. So how are you addressing some of these technical issues? And then more broadly, uh, how are you leveraging technology to make content uh, more accessible to people in various formats? Well, I am so glad you brought that up because, you know, when you think about radio frequencies, uh, we get used to living with them, you know, after a while. And once you get used to it, and certainly with 90.3 and say 104.9 and even 89.7, you have decided by now 
where you can reach, what stations you can reach, what frequencies you can reach, and where you can reach them. And so uh, consumers, you know, they, 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 what we're, we're happy about is that they bake us into their, the habits of their lives. And, and then when you want to disrupt that, then, then you have to communicate a lot of how you're disrupting it and how they can continue to get access. But we understand that, um, you know, radio frequency can be disrupted in many different ways. You know, you mentioned topography, but weather can also uh, affect it. The, the type of device that you're listening on and the antenna on that device or where that device is in your house, you know, all those things can really affect your reception from radio frequencies. And so uh, when, when you've been living with that for, for a, a couple of decades, you kind of get used to it. And I think people will get used to uh, settling into where they can get the reception or if they would like to um, uh, upgrade their, their devices, which we're seeing a lot of people do. And of course, uh, we're seeing a steady migration of uh, folks who are going from analog to digital, which is great. And we're able to uh, continue to uh, serve them through our website. We're able to serve them through our app, which is, which is on our website, where they can download to their, their cell phones. We even added a, a radio frequency to our WVIZ um, uh, digital channels of 25.7. And so therefore, uh, if you have your TV and you can reach uh, WVIZ over the air, you can uh, also receive the uh, 89.7 uh, news and information programming. So there's a lot of things that, that you can do now. And there's some things that we're going to do in the future. And, and one very important one is we're looking into boosting our signal. And there's two ways that we're looking at that. One is more immediate, uh, which will happen, I would say, in the next couple months. And one will happen over time as we make the case to the FCC. Uh, because, you know, all of our licenses are just that. We don't own the airwaves. No one owns the airwaves. Uh, we are, they're licensed to us from the FCC. And it's important because FCC needs to regulate uh, how we broadcast so that there's no interference with other broadcasters. And so uh, whenever we want to boost the signal, we boost our uh, strength, we have to um, do an engineering study and perhaps buy new equipment uh, and make the case to the FCC. And as you can imagine, that takes a little longer time but we hope that we'll be able to see kind of a, a more immediate a solution to the reception issues uh, in the next couple of months. I was going to say, was the time frame of that couple months? Yeah, I would say over the summer. You know, uh, we're putting the bricks in place right now, and we think we, we, buy, we bought the equipment. And so, uh, and we're hired a, a firm that's going to be helping us uh, test it. And there's usually lots of testing that needs to happen over um, a couple of months, actually, because we want to make sure that uh, we're actually reaching the areas that have uh, are at risk for reception or have poor reception. And that just takes some time. Kevin Martin is president and CEO of IdeaStream Public Media. He joins us today for The Landscape, a Cranes Cleveland podcast. Kevin, I wanted to shift gears a bit and, and focus on some of the trends in media that you're seeing and that, that IdeaStream is responding to. Um, so looking at like the, the big consumer media trends that you see, what, what are they? 
what are some of the economic implications of them? And then along a similar line, what, what specifically is happening in, in local media and, and how are you responding to those? Well, Scott, you're in luck because I just attended an update on this very subject in D.C. last week. And I can tell you, the public media industry has been closely tracking the trends of digital viewing habits. That is, when uh, streaming video on demand, which we call SVOD, would uh, surpass linear broadcasting, which we refer to here internally as appointment viewing, which you know, you're, you're, you'd be accustomed to watching or even listening to certain programs. Since around 2014, we have been fixated on the year of 2024 as a year we would see the intersection of the linear graph. That is when the SVOD would surpass the appointment viewing. Uh, now we believe that this is actually going to happen this year in the fall. That's accelerating quite a bit then. It, it is, it is. And we kind of knew this is going to happen because and we feel confident about these projections because we've, we've already seen the digital on-demand audience for children's programming on PBS surpass linear viewing. And this actually happened a couple of years ago. And when you think about it, it really makes sense that this would be the first audience segment to move to on-demand on before the other audience segments, because parents want to control. They want more control of their children's viewing habits. And of course, the pandemic has been you know, quite a boon for streaming services. The other thing that we're seeing is, uh, and you didn't ask this, but I know you're just about to ask, and that's <laughs> AVOD, and that's advertising video on demand. And that would be uh, services like uh, YouTube, Amazon, and Hulu. Um, and we're seeing that that, that is really increasing. Although with some of the latest news with, with Netflix, there may be some softening in the streaming. Uh, we do see some pickup, you know, in, in those uh, subscription services. And so um, that's going to be interesting to kind of watch over the next year uh, post-pandemic to see how um, uh, consumers are going to uh, relate to these, these various services. You know, when I think about it, it, it makes sense because when you think about the cable industry, the cable industry, I think many, many would, would agree, is, has been kind of been a structural decline in terms of how it was originally uh, set up. And, uh, and I think that's because consumers were asked to pay for a lot of what they weren't consuming, what they weren't, what they didn't want to watch. And, you know, I, I'm wondering if this is what we're seeing in the streaming services as well. So we're going to take a, a close look at that. And I think with public media, public media is, is probably more closely aligned to the, uh, the uh, advertising video on demand uh, in a sense that uh, if you think of something like Amazon, for example, Amazon, I think the consumers do not see Amazon Prime Video as a, um, as a streaming service first and foremost. You know, they see it as a way to... to it's the, the way you get your stuff. Right, to purchase goods. You know? and then, oh, and, oh and, there's, some, there's some streaming content too. That's right. There's, yeah. And, and, but, you know, they may be purchasing or think they're purchasing um, the, the shipping, you know, the, the favorable shipping prices that they'll get from Amazon. So therefore, they're kind of insulated from the, the pricing wars that we're seeing, you know, from Disney Plus and, and Netflix and HBO. And I think IdeaStream is kind of like that with our service of PBS Passport. 
Now, we've seen PBS Passport grow significantly over the past two years, but 45% increase just over the past two years. And we believe that what, what we're seeing are not people who are joining um, IdeaStream Public Media because of that service. We think we're seeing it is that, one, people are now uh, getting used to it, uh, so the awareness of that service is increasing but also this, the service has improved. So if you are, say, an, an early adopter of, of PBS Passport, then uh, you might try it again and say, oh, okay, now it's, it's the type of service that, I, that I've been getting from my other streaming services, and I'm going to um, consume it a lot more often. So um, we, we think that we're going to see an increase in that as some of the other um, streaming services begin to decline. We've talked about SVOD and we've talked about AVOD. I didn't, didn't necessarily anticipate that we would get those in, but we did. Um, <laughs> so so th- these, are, these are sort of newish terms, uh, at least to, to most of us. Um, uh, I'm wondering about how, uh, how IdeaStream is, is working to diversify its, its revenue stream. Uh, you know, the, the technology changes. How does, how does the, uh, the ability to, uh, to generate revenue change along with it? Well, you know, I would argue that um, public media in general has probably the most diversified revenue streams of, of, of more of most nonprofits, you know, and certainly more so than, than commercial uh, media entities that rely on primarily kind of advertising revenue. Uh, we certainly have membership and within membership, there's a whole range of different types of um, ongoing support. We have on underwriting, which some would consider um, closely related to advertising. Uh, but we also are looking at ways to give to IdeaStream public media, like one-click, one-click services. Uh, this is something that is becoming uh, more uh, ubiquitous throughout uh, the, the public media landscape, where you can go to uh, uh, your website or your phone and just quickly um, press to give with one click where um, I think Amazon has certainly been doing it for a while. And so um, public media, that's going to be a real important thing to have happen over the next, you know, I, I would say next year. We're, um, we're coming off what was a, a pretty contentious uh, primary in Ohio. Um, how do you see the organization's role in, in creating an informed community, an engaged electorate? And then how do you assess the performance of IdeaStream during the primary? Well, that's, that's a great question uh, for a great time, you know, where we are entering into um, the election season uh, for midterms. And, of course, public media has always played a role, an important role when, uh, with election coverage. And I think it's even becoming even more important where consumers, they need a source that they can go to that, uh, that they trust. And now, now we know and we realize that there are a lot of people who will go to uh, information sources that uh, already agree with, with, their, with, their, uh, with their sense of, uh, of the world and, and their own biases. But there's also a segment that even if they do go to those um, sources, they also want to balance that with, with what they feel is a trusted source. And I think public media and idea stream public media certainly will play a role uh, as you know, we have a hot senatorial um, contest coming up, debate, and the governor, and um, we will be hosting debates as we have in the past. 
we will be providing information, um, certainly over the air, uh, in terms of updates of what's going on uh, with the candidates, but also um, on our website in, in terms of uh, if, if you don't have their information of, of certain candidates' um, positions, uh, we're going to provide that, as we always have. And I think uh, Northeast Ohioans know that they can rely on us to do that. Yeah. How, how, do, you, how do you see your role, IdeaStream's role, as, as creating kind of a, a higher quality uh, civic discourse around critical community issues? Well, I think it's, it's really just being as objective as we can and fair. Now, you know, there's, there's been a lot of uh, talk about the value or, or the lack of value in balance because, you know, some positions have become so extreme that it really doesn't make sense to try to uh, have do both sides of, of certain subjects. But we want to make sure that we uh, are a platform for truth and a platform for accuracy and a platform that uh, is accessible. For, for all Northeast Ohioans. And so hopefully that will, you know, through our news and information, but also through our, um, our WVIZ, our television service, uh, in terms of news hour and frontline, we'll be doing specials that really bring to light uh, a lot of the things that are happening, not only in Northeast Ohio, but really kind of illuminating the world around us, uh, what's happening in Ukraine and other geopolitical um, things that are happening in the world. You've been in public media for a long time in, in different parts of the country. Uh, what makes you bullish about its future? Well, I am bullish about um, public media's future because especially if, if, you, if we're lucky enough as we are here in, in uh, Northeast Ohio to have both a public television and radio station and classical and jazz music stations, we can provide a lot of services uh, to a lot of people. And we can curate that experience for you so that uh, you can get the news and information you want. Uh, but if it becomes overwhelming, as sometimes it does, there's an outlet. And, and we've heard from hundreds and hundreds of our listeners that said, well, I just had to, you know, uh, escape all the news you know, that's coming out of Washington <laughs> or the State House, And I had to uh, just... You know, contemplate my life over uh, classical music or jazz. And we love hearing that because we like having those alternatives. And I think public media is, is, is finally kind of realizing it's, it's, um, the, the, the necessity of its role when it comes to news and information. Because as we talked about before, with the print media um, dramatically uh, on decline in the past 20, 20 30 years, uh, there's even a greater need for services like us. So I think, you know, we're going we're gonna to see more and more um, public media across the country that's focusing on the essential service of news and information. And uh, they'll be playing catch up with us because we certainly are on the cutting edge of not only providing it for Northeast Ohio, but um, as you mentioned early, the, earlier, the, the, the Ohio Newsroom, which is a collaborative that I think has been uh, very effective in, in creating uh, a level of discourse across the state. Yeah, well, we, we need as much uh, good, accurate, uh, fair information as we can get. Yep. Kevin, thanks, uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Sure, anytime. Uh, Kevin Martin is president and CEO of IdeaStream Public Media. I'm Scott Sattel. Thanks for joining us for The Landscape. We'll talk again soon. Mm -hmm.